0: Welcome to Under the Net Podcast, and thank you for joining me today, Under the Net, and listening to my podcast. My name is Patrick Juarez, aka Cool Breeze, aka Patrick F. Baby. For most of my life, I've been in the military and have had the chance to live all over the world, meeting a lot of great people. This podcast gives me the opportunity to bring all my family and friends to my world, Under the Net, so I can listen to their stories, life experiences, jokes, or teaching moments that may be beneficial to myself or others as we live our ordinary lives. So please, turn up the volume, take a moment to hear what my family and friends have to say and welcome to my world, Under the Net. Hey, welcome to uh, Under the Net today. Today I got a good guest. uh, he's, He's a really good friend of mine. We met back at uh, Fort Hood in 2005. Uh, we saw we saw each other again in uh, Tacoma, I think it was, or Fort Lewis. And then uh, I saw him here at Aberdeen Proofers as a civilian. Uh, I thought he was just on leave because he had a full goatee. Uh, and then come to find out, he was a civilian. So, um, yeah, he's uh, a great NCO. He's was uh, FTC. Um, got down south. Got a country-ass accent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a Really good guy. Uh he's not afraid to tell you what's on his mind. Um, just uh so I'm looking forward to having this uh you know the story with uh let me introduce you. His name is uh Jesse Edison. Uh welcome to the net brother, what's your story? Oh, welcome, thank you, thank you. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad that you uh, invited me. Yeah. Well, let me start off by saying, you know, I'm a Mississippi country boy as you disclosed earlier. <laughs> and I'm so far representing my state, although
1: it's not the best state but it's still my state. (laughs) I came from a broken home, you know, meet my father until I was almost fully grown. Stayed with my mother who was uh, not the best of mothers. As a matter of fact, she was horrible. She was a very horrible mother. But she was still a mother to somebody, just not us. Right. But outside of that, you know, I'm I'm a man. I'm a man. I'm always be a man. Trying to walk through this thing known as life and to continue to grow and d- develop like we're supposed to do. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, and, and so sometimes a lot of people don't understand that, that, you know, you're supposed to develop and, and they just get in their own ways and they just want to continue doing what they're doing. And yeah, I mean, and that might be good, you know, but others, it's it's not good enough, you know? Yeah, most definitely. You know, a lot of people get in what we call their comfort zones Yes, and that's where they want to stay they don't want to venture outside of those comfort zones. And right outside that line of comfort is how you truly start to grow. You learn more. You know, you, you continue to assess yourself and become a better you. And the only way to do that is to step outside your comfort zones. Yeah, but I think you hit it when you said assess yourself. A lot of people don't want to assess themselves. <laughs> yeah.
2: You know, some people uh, really don't like keeping it real with themselves. Yeah. yeah. I was talking to my wife, you know, I'm married, got eight children. So I've got a lot of uh, relationship, goods and bads. And I've got a lot of fatherhood, good and bad. And I always try to tell my family, everybody, my friends that I know I'm jacked up in a lot of cases. You know, I'm not perfect and I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm just trying to take one day at a time, and become a better me. That's
0: all I can do. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think we had this conversation a couple of times while you were here. Um, just you know, just trying to be better for for our, you know ourselves and our family, and, and most of our kids, like your kids. I think your kids are grown. Mine is your your younger two. Um, yeah, and, and mine are the same. You know, I just have two that are left in school, so uh, you know, and you want to, you know, they're still your kids, but at the same time, there's, there's a point when you have to say hey, it's time for you to start making decisions and fixing your own problems and dealing yeah. with your own consequences uh-huh. um, because now you're gonna make them choices on your own, you know, so there is a time for that. Um, but but oh, yes. what, what, what's your comfort zone though? I mean, where would you see yourself at being in a comfort zone?
2: Man, I, to be honest with you, I'm not trying to be comfortable. We're too young, you and I both, we're way too young to be comfortable. We need to continue to push ourselves and grow. I'm trying to grow until I'm dead. It's just <laughs> the way it's got to be. Yeah, because um, I don't, I don't want to get affixed to a certain type of life and be like,
0: yeah, let me just go and chill, not learn anymore, not teach my children how to be better. I, I don't want to do that. I want to get give to them what I never had. Somebody give to me. Right. Right. And I mean, and, and in, in you, um, based on what you just said just a minute ago, I mean, you had you didn't have a father for a while, and and, and you said a mother was a mother of someone else, which I can totally relate to that one. Uh, so, so, how how did you still become successful? With this, you know, with that kind of upbringing. Well, as a young person, I consider myself not a genius, but I'm far from dumb.
2: And I learned to start to assess my environment at a young age, you know, through all the beatings, all the negativity, all the headaches and heartaches that I had to experience. I still took a look at myself and said, I never want to be that way to my children. And I never want to be that far inside the barrel ever again because we were at the bottom. We were dirt poor. As a matter of fact, we
0: were so poor we couldn't even afford the R at the end of the word poor. So we were just poor. <laughs> seriously, man. Wow. Oh. <laughs> okay, so they go through so the rough time that you went through, how are you still I mean, well, you know, I didn't even really ask if you if you found yourself successful, but you still have a good, you know, mind. I mean, yeah, you're adaptable, but you still have a good headset, you know. You know, you still thinking positive and doing that. Where does that come from?
2: I, honestly, my, my thing is this: I expect the worst of everything and everybody, but I always push toward the good. I want to go toward the good. I just know that there are a lot of people out there who are bent on hurting me, my family, my friends. I, I see those guys. Yeah. But what what
0: what I continue to do is try to focus on hey. They're bad. Let's stay away from them. Let's go toward these good people. Let's make these good friends. Let's develop this good trend in life that a lot of people seem to get sucked out of because they've experienced so much bad. Right, right. And that's a tough decision too because now now you have to deal with, oh, oh you think you're better than me or...
1: Uh, yes. That's <laughs> a fact. Yeah. From, you know, for, from 1st hand
2: experience, family will do that to you.
1: Yeah. They... They automatically assess that
2: you think you're better than them when they're. That's not even the case. Right. All you're trying to do is to continue to develop you so you can have a great life.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I always tell my kids, I'm like, "Hey, you don't pay my bills, um, and you really ain't telling me what to do <laughs> until you're paying my bills. Then you got a choice." Much.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm t- I would tell them quickly that the only person that Right now, tell me how to do something is the government. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and that's only
2: because if I don't, they're going to take everything I got. <laughs> they're
1: going to
2: take everything.
0: They're going to make you wear a mask where you go, huh? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. How, how y'all dealing with that over there?
2: Well, you know, the mask issue I don't find very difficult because you, you and I both know we've had to wear them NBC masks yeah. and, and deal with extreme heat and cold and the adversities associated with having your face and eyes covered with limited visibility so it's no big deal and also I like to consider other people I don't want somebody to die because of me right right I'm not that inconsiderate I wear the mask when I'm around a lot of people when when it's just me and the family I take it off we're outside we're in the open so no big deal
0: yeah yeah and I think too I mean that's a common sense. I, me and my son, we had an incident yesterday where, um, you know, we were in, a, in an environment and, you know, nobody's wearing a mask. So if you're sitting down, nobody was wearing a mask. But if you're walking, they expect you to wear it. OK, I get that logic because they don't know where you're going and coming. But uh, you pick and choose who you're going to tell where the mask and where you who's not going to wear the mask, you know. So it's like you let some people go by and then you finally see someone, you're like, oh, I'm going to target him. Um, so we was already exiting out anyways, and my son, he was just being hard-headed, just being him. And um, so they were like, hey, put your mask on. He's like, I'm leaving. So they started getting a little wild up. I was like, hey, 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 we're leaving anyways. Like, chill. You yeah. know, like, we're we're out. We're leaving, you know. So, and I was trying to explain to my son, I was like, look, I mean, I, I get where they're coming from. And I said, don't do that again, first of all. And the second of all, <clears throat> you know, it, it's it's one of those choices, uh, where you either want to get your blood uh boiled up for, for no reason or uh-huh. you can assess the situation say, well okay, let me see if they are leaving and if they are, then then no harm, no foul. If they aren't, you know, then I will, you know, keep engaging the situation and make sure that they do, you know, follow the uh policy or whatever. Uh, but I think uh the, you know this week it was just rough anyway, so our AC went out, you know, you know the good old APG housing uh-huh. <laughs>
2: And it's definitely a fix now type situation. It's way too hot. Yeah. Letting the AC go
0: out. Well, well, they definitely didn't fix it now. Um, you know, so we had to come up with some fixes. I don't get, I don't get the process, but um, I was like, there's nothing I can do about it. So we gotta wait till tomorrow to see what they're gonna do about uh do further assess how much money they're gonna <laughs> put into it. You know, so it was just a bad day yesterday, but you know, I had to at the end of the day I had to look at it and say, look. Um, still alive, you know. Uh, you know, nobody got in trouble or, or anything like that, and we're still kicking and moving, and still being able to, you know, move forward and and do that self evaluation. Where was I wrong in some you know areas, or where was I right, and and how can I do you know how can I fix that from next time or whatever? So cool. Well, I think we got a little off, off, off topic, but and not really, I mean, because there's not really no you know format to this. It was just kind of just me and you talking, and, and man, I, I thank you for doing this, you know, again. Of um, course, of course. So, what, how did you uh, get into uh, joining the military with where you were at from being a child? Look, I'm from Greenville, Mississippi, known as the Delta, all right? <laughs> You stay in Mississippi. There's only two things you can do: become a country hick farm boy, or
2: just become a bum. <laughs> and either way, I did not want to want to do both. Yeah. There's nothing in Mississippi as far as uh, development in Greenville. You can go to Jackson and Gulfport, and those areas, which are the major cities, they have things that you can develop and become better at. So I, I decided, hey, forget this, I'm going to the Army, you know, it's a, it's a chance that you take, you know, giving Uncle Sam that blank check, but I would rather take a chance on
0: developing myself than sitting back comfortable at the house, waving my hands up, say, oh, well, you know, I'll yeah. just continue to work the farm to do something along those lines. Yeah, yeah, that goes back to the choice thing, you know, you, you, you made that good choice. Um, was there anybody else in your family member that had military or anything, or, or just that kind of influenced that, or? Man, I had an uncle I didn't know existed.
2: Like I was, I was ten years into the army, and I went back home on leave, and my dad brings this guy into the house, and he's like, "Hey, Junior, this my brother." <laughs> brother, how am I grown and didn't know I had another uncle? And he disclosed to me that he did 15 years in the army. Automatically in my mind, I clicked. I knew it was an omen. I knew I had to take this and make a decision at this point. Because I've been 10 years, you know, 10 years is the halfway point. Yeah. we're gonna get out or we're gonna stay in. Absolutely. So I met him, I talked to him. He said he did 15 years and he got out and he regretted for the rest of his life. I mean, it was a simple decision. Yeah. He regretted it. If I get out now, I'm going to regret it. So let me go and do the rest of this time. Yeah. And continue to grow
0: within their organization so I can make my life better after the organization. Yeah. 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 I understand that. And that's, that's a freaking, that's a great thought. I didn't, you know, didn't think of it that way. Um, your family is somewhat of an organization, you know? <laughs> yeah.
2: uh, you know, Big on let's work together as a family, as as friends, as a community, let's do that. But you know, it's hard to get people to step up to where you come. Yeah. Because they're like we said, the comfort thing. They're used to comfortable being where they are. And I don't want to be there. I want to be some we
0: know what being poor is like. We've been there, we got it. Yeah, we're trying to find out. It's like to be on the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> I swipe my ATM card and see a couple of million dollars in my account. And then, you know, that's the life we're trying to live. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to work like we do to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, it's a tough road. You know, it's not something that is easy, you know, and you got to make the, um, the tough decisions sometimes too. So, Oh yes. You know, as well as I do, we've sacrificed time We've sacrificed family, we've sacrificed nearly our lives in, in, a, in a, on a number of occasions. Yeah. So if I'm telling people nothing in this world is without sacrifice, and for people to get in a situation or a scenario and think, oh, well, I can just ride this out, then you don't want to get better. Yeah. I, I don't want to ride that. I want to work to, to place myself in a better position to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you had to make a tough decision whether you wanted to do the farm or or uh, be a bum or be in the military. You chose the military. What what was it like uh, when it was time to come uh, uh, pick your job? Uh, and, and then what did you pick? Well,
2: you know, I had a number of choices. I, I, I wasn't, like I said, a dumb person, but I wasn't a genius either. So I had a nice little selection, but I wanted to get out of the environment that I was in so bad that I initially got into the Air Force oh really I mean, yeah okay I, I made the cut for the Air Force but then I decided because they were taking so long to go to the army and the army expedited the process okay they, they were fast you know so I went in as the a counterintelligence and then you know I switched over to Thirteen series. <laughs> you know, intelligence worked all my mental. It was a, it's an intellectual field a lot of assessing, defining, you know, those type of things. But the Thirteen series aspect worked my mental, or my physical. Yeah. Because Thirteen Bravo is what I switched over to. You know, banging them round, Yeah. Working hard with your hands. See that—that's man type stuff, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah absolutely. That, them. Your life. Okay, so so hold on. Before we go further, did you have a job
0: in the Air Force or did you just, when they were, you know, the open contract where you were waiting to see what you were going to get? Yeah. Okay. So then the Army, the Army gave you a, a counterintelligence, so did you do that in the Army first? Yeah, I went to school for, well,
2: two, okay. for almost two years. It was a long
0: school. Really?
2: And then, yeah, and then I spent up until like my first two years, something like that,
0: uh-huh. and then I switched over to thirteen series, and I stayed in that for the duration of my time in the army, twenty-one years to be exact. Where, where were you? Where were you at when you were doing counterintelligence? Uh, Still at Fort Watauga? You didn't? Yeah. You did the AIT and all that there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How how was that? Well, what were some of the things you did in in that counterintelligence first, and then? Then we'll switch over to talk about something else.
2: Well, you know, the counterintelligence realm is helped me learn to assess people. Yeah. It, it, it allowed me to know
1: know and identify facial expressions, mannerisms, you know, being able to tell when people are fabricating stories or when they're telling the truth. Okay. So that was very beneficial in that
0: aspect. Wow, that's interesting. It did it include, did it include like profiling and stuff like that too, or? Oh yeah. Okay. Well,
2: yeah, that's, why, that's why I'm, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not against stereotyping because a stereotype had to come from somewhere. It, it's a compilation of watching other people's actions or people like you yeah. actions. And then you just, so you, you learn to identify the similarities in certain types of people places you know so if if i go to california and there are certain parts in california that are known for trouble but right. automatically no that's not a stereotype you know that person may look like he from compton so i know a hey, you know you have to take some type of precaution because Compton has a history of being how shall i see it as nicely as possible rugged <laughs> Yeah. Shout out to Compton.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, wow, that's it. Uh, I did I didn't know that. This whole time you was here, And I think you mentioned it, but I don't think we went this far deep into it. Um which you know, uh that had to have come handy or helpful uh when it came down to being a leader and, and you know, when you when you were a leader and you had troops underneath you, right? Oh yes.
2: Yes. Of being able to you know you have to segregate your good from the bad in your mind right. you have to segregate your good from your bad soldiers but you still have to try to rein those bad ones in Yeah. so being able to identify what issues are plaguing those troubled soldiers and how can we work around those issues to make them better like you know we had soldiers like come from broken homes, they're young, they're insecure, and you have to navigate their issues and get them to be
0: part of a team that they might not even want to be part of. Yeah, yeah. I've had that a couple times. I had this joker uh, and he graduated uh, uh, high school with a high school uh, diploma and, and like associates or something like that. And then by the time he was like Twenty or something like that. He had like a double bachelor's or something. Like that. So he was really young and smart. Uh, And then he joined the army. So you know, and he was a thirteen Bravo. There's no, there's no, not too much mental you need to be a thirteen Bravo. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, But uh and he would just get into trouble and stuff. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, you know, he was really arrogant about because he was really you know smart in this. So I had to, I had to sit back for a minute, had to sit there and think. I was like. I know what his problem is. He's not being challenged. He's not being challenged. Um, So I I came up with this uh, um, internal uh, job that I knew that would challenge his mental and that would keep him busy and keep him occupied. And once he did that, the trouble went away. Um, He was successful in what he was doing. He knew he wasn't going to be a lifer, but it it made his time a little bit easier uh, while he was there. and, And he felt, like he was contributing somehow, you know, to the platoon or whatever. And then um, that was good. And, you know, that's just one example, you know, and, and you had to do that multiple times, you know. But that's that's, that's interesting that you say that. Um, Okay, so let, let's talk about you being a 13 Bravo because I did not know that either. And I, you might have told me, but I can't remember. Yeah, 13 Bravo. How was, it was that? It
2: was really the best time outside of drill sergeant. That was the best time of my career.
0: Where were you at? Third,
2: I was in Fort Polk, Louisiana. Okay. Fort Polk, the, the swamp of the army. <laughs> I'm talking about, they had mosquitoes the size of birds in Fort Polk.
1: Hey, I've never been I've been. Yeah, there. It, yeah, it's,
2: it's a, I mean, I'm from the country, so it's country. Yeah. I, I felt right at home in the country. <laughs> I was on the M198. Oh, yeah. That's my baby. Yeah. That's my baby. That's the, you know, I've sacrificed, got hurt on, and shot that gun, you know, numerous times in different countries. You know, we shot missions in Bosnia, uh, other countries, and it was just a nice time for me. I met some really nice people. I had some really good friends come out of that MOS, and those posts that I, you know, ventured to during my... 13 Bravo series time. Yeah. And It's, it's a great MOS. It, it works the dog skin out of you. Oh, yeah. You know, shooting a 10-round mission or a continuous fire mission. It it Hey, it's a man's game. That's what it is. And I don't mean that as a man only.
0: If a female can hack it, she can do the dang thing, too. Yeah. You know, I'm all
2: about that equality concept.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and in my mind, the one nine or eight is one of the best team builders there is. <laughs> yes, oh, yes. Oh, yes. You can tell oh. when somebody is not lifting them trails uh, when you have to put it back down. And say everybody lift, and then when you go right back to lift, it's a little bit lighter. Somebody was not lifting.
2: <laughs> hey, you know, right off the back. Yeah. Man,
1: why you weren't
0: Yeah. <laughs> Greatest team bidder out there. I mean, we should have one out of everywhere. So you can, like, build teams everywhere. <laughs> you know, most teams are defined by the pain that they suffer together. Yeah. And the
2: one out of eight is it's just a big pain in the butt. Yeah. You know, 16,000 pounds combat loaded. So you got to manipulate this piece of huge metal to get it to a configuration needed to successfully complete the mission.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So so how was the um, – well, I mean, how long were you a 13 Bravo for?
2: Mm, I think four years or five years.
0: Okay. Were you, were you uh, private or were you uh, NCO? Oh, private through NCO. When okay. I made E5, that's when I switched
2: over to 13 Delta. Okay. Oh, okay, okay.
0: So we'll get that in a minute. We'll get we'll get into that here in a minute. What was Private Edison like as counterintelligence, and then to Thirteen Bravo? <laughs> I won't say that I was arrogant, but I won't say that I was a pushover either. Okay. I consider myself a balanced
2: person. Yeah. Uh, I have the I believe I can beat you in most things mentality. But I don't have that. I don't think somebody's lower or beneath me mentality. Yeah. I I try to be approachable, but yet still, hey, you need to keep your distance. Cause when I joined the army, I had a lot of issues, man. Like I couldn't stand to be touched by people I didn't know. Mm -hmm. You know, my my family
0: life with my egg donor. She is identified as my egg donor. Really brought a lot of unnecessary hardships into my life that yeah. I drug into the military. Okay. What 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 are some of those hardships though? I mean, like what other than just like touching yourself? Like how what are those hardships and how does that affect you? Like or or how do you grow from it? I should say. I
2: think the only way I, I, my daughter and I, Well, my daughter. A friend of hers and Tara and I, we went
1: to breakfast this morning and she asked me, how do I get over myself? Yeah. And, and I tell myself this every day.
2: You have to be better than who you were last year, last month, yesterday. And that's what I try to do every day, and regardless of my mental state irregardless of the physical pain that I'm in, irregardless of all those issues that we experience as normal people. Yeah. You know, some some people, they have great lives, and they still end up being suicidal and, and cause uh, troublemakers. But I don't want to be those people. I don't want to be the,
1: the guy who came from a broken home and now he's nothing in life. Yeah. 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 I
0: always try to think better for for myself and for my family. No, that's that's uh that's definitely like part of the reason why I like you know, kind of drive too. You know, like I, I can't remember too. Um, and, but it's just one of those things. that's like I think you've hit it on a couple of things. You have said choice. Um, uh-huh. you know, self evaluate. Um, just freaking like you know trying to be better, do better um, than where you were, uh, and a lot of those are. Not those aren't uh, mental uh, uh, thoughts or decisions that come easy or that just come overnight. That comes with with uh, experience. That comes with you know upbringing, horrible upbringing, bringing yeah. um, you know, and just having to live like making those tough decisions at multiple times throughout your life. So it, it doesn't come easy. Um, which you make it sound like it comes easy. <laughs>
2: Hey, don't let me feed anybody false information It wasn't
1: easy yeah. Change
2: is never easy yeah. And people who who don't want to change Like we said, they stay in their comfort zone yeah. so Those of us who want to change We will subject ourselves to physical, mental, and emotional torture In order to learn for, from it because that's where learning comes from. Just like in school, when you're sitting and you got to study for long periods of time to get that information soaked into your head, it's because you want to pass. Yeah. You don't want to fail. And me, I am more fearful of failing than I am dealing with, you know, hardships. Yeah. For, for me, failing is like, I don't want to be at the bottom of the barrel. I've laid in that oil, I've soaked in it for, you know, for the first 15 years of my life.
0: So I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. To me, failure equates to going to the bottom of the barrel. I don't want to be there. Yeah, but is it it okay to fail?
2: Yes. Yes. Failure is always, well, well, let me clarify something first. Okay. There's a difference between failure
0: and then having some roadblocks. Yeah, okay. And failure, to me, is when you just ultimately stop trying to challenge yourself and get past what makes you nervous or insecure or those
2: obstacles that just seem too big for you. Yeah. That's fear. But when you run into something and you take, have to take a couple of step backs to get your running start, you keep going, you run as hard as you can, you get over that obstacle. So failure is not the... the oh, I'm i take a temporary pause from school and then come back to it. Yeah. Failure is not the, oh, well, crap, I, I, I didn't do this right, so let me find a different approach to doing this so I can be successful at it. That's not failure.
0: Failure is when you just throw your hands up, oh, forget it. I can't do this anymore. The and then you just never, ever engage that uh, opportunity or those people or that obstacle ever again. That's yeah. failure. Okay. Okay. And, and that's a good way of putting it. And, um, yeah. Thanks for that clarification. Uh, because, you know, a lot of people see failure as that giving up and, and there's no coming back. There's no uh, bouncing back from that. There's no recovery. There's no point of no return or, or however that goes. I probably said it wrong. Um, but either way, um, it's just, you know, when somebody fails, what do you do after that? And and sometimes you have to fail to see where you're at so you can continue to grow from that. And I think that's kind of the uh the what we're the of where we're going with this conversation is just growing from it, you know, growing from your yes, adversity yes, or you know, whatever. Know,
2: that that self analysis is needed.
1: Yeah. I tell
2: people all the time the the one person I know most definitely, I never lied to, is me. Yeah. I always look myself in the mirror and I always tell myself, hey, you're a jerk. You need to get better. You need to work harder. And then me respond to me, tell me, we are. Don't you try to bully me, you jackrabbit. You know, sometimes you have to talk to yourself and encourage yourself, but also keep it real with yourself about yourself because yeah. it's easy to be surrounded by people who are always hyping you up. They tell you you're good, you're great, you're this, you're that. What you need to do is have a balance. You need to tell yourself, hey, where do we go wrong in this scenario? What can we do better in this scenario? Because I don't get the big head. I don't get inflated. I don't allow outside feed to make me this bloated man beast of a, you know, walking around, bumping my chest. That's not my style. I'd rather
0: be the quiet guy who sneaks up on you and shows you
2: that I'm able to
0: perform in any aspect humanly possible when you need me to. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, thanks for those great lessons, you know. And, and I hope everybody that's listening, you know, they get a little bit from that because, um, you know, these are some of the conversations that me and me and Jesse have all the time, uh, especially when he was here. We would go to a uh, to a restaurant and and just have a. He would have his uh, Shirley Temple, <laughs> his virgin <laughs> Shirley Temple. Uh, and I admit drink, we would just sit there and just talk and just communicate and these are these are really good conversations to continue to have and and I'm glad you know, hey like again, thank you for coming on here and doing this and you know this wasn't even what we were supposed to be talking about, but it's some, it's what we always talk about, and you know, just kind of yeah. being better people and how do we uh be better for other people or, or for ourselves and and you know it's just like we never missed a beat on this one <laughs> you know what I say when you meet somebody who shared the similarities in life with you. It's always good to continue to connect
2: with that person. And you, you are that person. We, we, we share so many similarities throughout our lives that it, it, it's comforting to talk to somebody who, who shared that so, it's like
0: Eating cornflakes in the morning It's a good time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so hey, we'll we'll get back into uh we'll get back into some of that, and I'm sure we'll get uh, going uh, with some other stuff, you know, as we talk. Um, but you said you you converted from thirteen Bravo to uh, FDC. Uh, what did you like better, FDC or thirteen Bravo? Like
2: you said, team building. When it came to team building, thirteen Bravo all the way. Now, when it came to shaman, thirteen Delta all the way. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Hey, I'm serious. As a 13 Delta, we settled did anything that was hard outside of downloading the connects. you know, doing inventory. Yeah. That stuff was just like PT crap. And, you know, PT is my dude. So there was no issue. If I could start it all back over, I say I would have stayed 13 Bravo. Really? Because, yes, it brought the team aspect of it was so much greater than being as a thirteen delta. But luckily I was able to migrate that same team building concept over to the thirteen Delta realm.
0: Yeah. And you know, I have soldiers who still think thank me for putting them through the torture that I did because it was to
2: better them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that uh I think yesterday. Um, but not about my soldier, but about my boys, you know, because uh, I am uh-huh. hard on them a little bit, you know, but um, I'm firm but fair. Um, but I yes. was like, yeah, they'll they'll realize, you know, later, you know, that some of the things I did was not for me. It was for them, you know, you uh-huh. <laughs> know, they didn't like it at the time. a of people, a lot of people don't understand that concept. Yeah, We don't make decisions for ourselves. We're trying to make decisions for everybody around us. I mean, we neglect ourselves a lot in order to pursue
2: goals and dreams for the children, for yeah. the wife. So when I advise them, I advise them based off of them, not me. Yeah. It's nothing personal. Yeah. I tell them, I, I, I've lived my life. I'm, I'm going the direction I want to go. So you as my child, I'm trying to push you into the direction that's best suited
0: for you. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, as Private Sergeant Edison, and you were getting that same advice, or did you take that um, as easy as you expect or anticipate your children or friends or somebody to you take that advice?
2: Or just as... as I'm nothing like none of my children. <laughs> 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 nothing like. I'm just crazy. <laughs> all of them. Tara and I was talking about that the other day. All of them, you know, they they're cut the
1: sandwiches short of a picnic basket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But
2: you know, we all take criticism a different way. Yeah, and I was open to
1: knowing that I was screwed up. I got seven Article Fifteens,
0: man. Wow, seven. what? Do feel great?
2: Was at once?
0: And you still made what? What, what? what? What did you make when you get out?
2: Start first class. Wow. Yes, sir. Still made because the, the issue is, I sucked. I took my licks and I rolled on. Yeah. I didn't get complacent and say, oh well, you know, they punished me unnecessarily, but. I'm gonna sit back here and not do anything else. No, I accepted the fact that I got my tail spanked, yeah. which was, which just what it was. They spanked me for doing something wrong, and then I continued to march on. My work ethic was was phenomenal, man. I I, I just I will work in order to prove to myself that we can accomplish this, and that's what pushed me, you know, to. To get past all the UCMJ, which I brought on to myself. I know that I brought all those actions on to myself because of my mouth. My
1: mouth. <laughs>
2: I didn't know, first of all, you shouldn't tell people who I rank you certain things. Yeah. I, did, I didn't know. Okay. Okay.
0: Goes back to how I said uh, this guy's going to speak his mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing I do know about you. You you must beat your mind. Okay, so so that that was a counter from your work ethic. Then that was a you know some negative yes. for you.
2: Yes, a, a lot of people don't deal with their own negativity the right way. Yeah, I counteracted my negativity, which is my mouth, by showing everybody that my actions. To be a leader, to be a team player, to be somebody they can count on, regardless of the fact that I just got UCMJ or I just got busted. So I, To me, it was like just getting a whooping by your mama. You know, you get a whooping, you cry for a little bit, and it's done with, but you still got to clean that room. You still got to take out the trash. So yeah. just go ahead and suck it up, take, clean the room, take the trash out.
0: So let me ask you this then. and and I think you'd probably be the best one to answer this because, you know, seven Article 15s. Um, Does going through an Article 15 at that moment, you kind of hit it, but I think I want you to elaborate on it. Does that take away from your leadership ability? Does that take take, uh, your subordinates to say, oh, well, he's got Article 15. I don't need to listen to him or I don't need to obey him or follow his orders or, you know, fill in the blank. Um, does that take away from that or does that still give you the ability to say no i'm still in charge no matter what i mean and that, that kind of goes with what you just said before uh, right before this but kind of i i guess explain that because you know sometimes that mentality does go out there oh i'm not gonna listen to him he can't even take care of himself or he can he can you know uh, and, and we hear it all the time how are you going to be mm-hmm. a leader if you can't take care of your finances or your family or anything like that? How does that relate to, you know, Article 15? Does that does that have that same issue, that same concern? My my thing is, what we do in our
1: private lives does not substantiate who we are as a leader. Yeah. But there, there's pros and cons to both sides of that. But for me personally... When I got my article 15s, it was because I did something at the job. I said something to the wrong person Mm -hmm. at the job. Okay. But I also substantiated my leadership abilities and my knowledge prior to them. They saw that I was a good NCO and that I was able to convert soldiers into good people. They saw their pride too. So actually,
2: it offered some leniency in my punishment, although I did what I did, and I fully expected myself to be busted or on extra duty for years, for years. Like in Bosnia, I got in trouble because I told the first sergeant that his rotational plan was messed up, and I showed him the fix for it. I gave him the answer for it, but he didn't like that. You know, so I got. I got 14 days of hard labor, extra duties, building
0: bunkers, filling sandbags. I'm talking about from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep, I was working hard as crap. Why didn't he like that? I I, I mean, I think we both know, but why didn't he like that?
2: (laughs) You know, you can't tell your daddy. How to cut the grass yeah, You can't He's been cutting grass his whole life And he doesn't want to hear Any of your new child ideas To cut his grass That's the same way first time was yeah. He didn't want to hear that crap
0: <laughs> That's hilarious That is hilarious Okay Um. So, so do you see any difference Between yourself When you first joined Or before you joined while you join, while you serve, and now, yes. Anybody who's seeking out growth always sees where they were, okay.
2: where they have been, or yeah. and where they're going, oh. because that's part of the self-assessment that that really helps you identify. Well, you know, I was a piece of crap as a private. Now as a E five NCO, I'm a decent person and a beginner leader. Yeah, but then. Once you hit soft first class, if you, if you are not a
1: really good leader to great leader by then, you just suck. Yeah, and, and that's what it boils down to. But you know, I still have my personal issues that
2: were different from being a leader.
0: What are, what were those like? What are, you, what are you talking about? Oh, you know, my personal issues. I, I still had the the. I don't want to touch people' issues. It wasn't as bad as I did when I was a private. Yeah. You know, I had to get over a lot of being at all, you know, going to different schools and rotating throughout units. And you get, you have to interact with all these other people and deal with all your internal issues without broadcasting your issues to the masses. Yeah. And that's one thing I had to learn to juggle because if something happened to me, it automatically Reflects in my head, and then I start to action on that. And I'm not that type of person. I want to keep myself who I am inside the uniform. Try to be the same person outside of the uniform. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. uh, That's tough to do. Um, that's tough to keep your own values. That's tough to keep your own, you know, moral, moral, uh, moral uh, values or attitude or whatever. Oh, yeah. But, and it's definitely something that still requires that self-reflection because, um, you know, that's one thing, you know, when I was a private, uh, I, I used to do that same thing. Like tell, tell certain people, you know, or, or I would check, I would check those above me sometimes like like you did, oh, yeah. but, but not like not everybody or not every time. Um, but you know, I would walk some people through certain things and then they passed me up cause I broke my leg and on a jump. And then, um, I was kind of like, well, when I got promoted, I had to sit there and think about some of the things that I said. I was like, yeah, don't, don't do that. You know, cause you were, you were <laughs> complaining about that. So don't do that. Gene. So definitely require some uh, self-reflection on that one. And just to prevent that. But, um, definitely a good thing though, if you can do that and you can uh, still manage your life and, and still manage, you know, to, uh, be effective to other people and, and, uh, you know, give advice and be a role model or whatever. Um, uh, That's definitely a good thing, and, and I, I do encourage a lot of people out there. That you got to self respect, uh, self reflect. You got to because um, it's it's, uh, it's only it's not only benefiting others; it's benefiting yourself. You know. Yeah, being, being real with yourself always helps you to grow as a person. Yeah. Like I stated previously, I know I suck at a lot of things, so I'm always
2: trying to develop those issues to become a better human being, not just for myself, for my children, for the wife. But you know, she has to put up with a lot of the issues herself, and she has to worry about herself, the children, and me simultaneously at
0: some point in time. And I try to ease as much stuff off her as humanly possible while still dealing with my own self. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Um, give me uh, one of your one of your greatest memories. Uh, while being in the military, oh man, we had uh, NCOs against the soldiers' uh, occupation drill M one nine eight, and I was the NCO in charge. I was the chief of the section, and we smashed the <laughs> NCOs, smashed they tell. We got occupied first, twenty two minute drill. We got complete first. I'm talking about you know ecstatic. It's one of the greatest times ever in the history of my army career. I, yes, that was one of my best times. I really enjoyed that moment. All of us, you know, we we're E four and below, and we were like crunk beyond crunk. Yeah, yeah. Did, did your did your NCOs take that as a as a hit against them, or did they take that as they trained y'all really well? I really didn't care. <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, I don't really didn't care at the point
2: in uh, time, you know. All we know is we beat them, and we were just hyped. <laughs> As a matter of fact, they even
0: tried to cheat. Really? Yeah. I, I can see that. Two,
2: <laughs> they, they tried to pull a fast one on us.
0: <laughs> How did they do that? They had a lieutenant at the Amherst Circle.
2: We got occupied first, and they he's, he uh sighted their man first.
0: Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I can I I can see that. I can see them uh, being some (laughs) cheats. Wow. Okay. You got any other memories?
2: Oh yeah. You know, twenty one years is a lot of things that has happened. Yeah. But I think drill sergeant
1: was my best experience ever. That was the best job to watch people transform and
2: become who they are before. They meet you, and then after they meet you, even though you just completely like smoke the ever loving piss out of them. Yeah, yeah. That, that that is great to have parents come and say thank you for changing my troubled child, because you know that that
0: lets you know or validates that who you are is beneficial for me. Right, right. Uh, like we all play some. Some role in somebody else's life, and we want to ensure that they are better than what they were when they came to. It. Yeah, well, like this is that standard we always do? You know, return it to the same or, or if not better, you know. And and I was thinking about that when you say transform. Uh, you know, when you when you go into basic, and, and the reason why I was thinking about this because I was uh, I'm kind of transitioning right now from uh, you know getting ready to retire. Um, but I was thinking, you know, when you go into basic, you're, you're transforming from a civilian into a soldier, into a killer, uh, a, a leader, or, or you know, you, a hula guy or whatever, you know, you want to put in there, you know, uh, fill in the blank. Um, but as I transitioned, I was kind of like, well, dang, I was transitioned to be a soldier. And, and, and now that I'm transitioning out of the military, it's a rush Rush to, um, it's a different type of transition. Um, it's a different type of transition because you're, you're transitioning back to being a civilian, um, which you don't want to be who you were. Well, I don't. I don't know if you don't want to. I mean, some people might um, want to be who you were before you joined, um, but you still want to carry some of that, that, that the skills or the attributes or, or the the leadership ability. Uh, when you get out, knowing that it's going to be a different uh capacity, and then you have the other worries of finding a job or being able to fit in or being able to relate to you know other employees or, or your peers and your new peers um and that's and that's a lot to take in sometimes you know um and and I kind of want to transition that one because I know you're out how did you transition with that?
1: you know
2: I I've mastered
1: the art of I Don't Kill. Yeah. I've mastered the art of it. And
2: the way I look at the transition, although it was a life-changing one, because you go from having to be a certain way to now I have to be the corporate way. Because, you know, we're trying to get
1: into professions that we had not experienced because the military is not like the corporate realm. Right. It's, it's a definitely two different uh, parts of the same piece. Even though I'm still working with the military, it's the civilian side of the military that
2: I had no clue what was going on. Yeah. So the eye-opener that I experienced at the civilian, it it was a it, it took a while to get used to the people, yeah. And how the people were—you know—we're used to seeing whatever it is, and then you know, chuckle about it and have fun. But civilians, on the other hand, were are a lot more sensitive to a lot of things that I wasn't ready for. Right. That—that's the side of me that I had to adjust to, to recalibrate myself to the civilian life. Because a lot of people are real sensitive in the civilian work. I don't know what they did for the most of part of their life, but they're way too soft. I'm talking about fully grown men that are just Yeah. I was like, oh, oh, God. I'm like people with jobs who sit down ninety-nine percent of the time complaining about how they're not getting enough work. I was like, "What?" I'm like, "Then just, just either create your own work, or just ask your boss for more work." It's a simple thing.
1: I'm not asking for any more work. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know about you, but for the last 21 years, I've been working
2: my tail off.
0: Oh yeah, big time, <laughs> big time. What are you doing now? Well, right now I'm a test engineer, but we're also starting a business up. It's Faith and Dominoes
2: Tournament Commission. Okay. So, so we started that venture, yeah, in, here in Augusta, Georgia. So we're, we're trying to take off with that.
0: Yeah, what what is that? Tell us about that. The Spades and Dominoes Tournament Commission is the organization that regulates the Spades and Dominoes
1: tournaments all over America and around the world. Yeah. We're trying to be the NBA of Spades and Dominoes. Really,
0: really, yes. They're in Augusta, Georgia. Or are y'all going to yeah. move anywhere else? Yeah, no, we're done. We're, we're going to sit here. We're, we're going to stay here. It's a really nice place. It's not too big, but it's not small either. So it has a lot
2: of great uh, places to eat, food. And then, you know, it's close to major stuff, Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Uh, Florida. It, it is a really nice place. What's
0: what's the concept behind it? like? So you're talking about the NBA, of space of dominance. What's, what is it going to look like? Well, we're going to regulate. Each state
2: will have their own main branch for running spades and dominoes. Okay. And we're going to regulate those guys. Yeah.
0: Is that house rules or is it like uh, from
2: the street rules or? No, uh, <laughs> house rules. You know, we, we, we got to maintain some type of order because,
1: you know, too many people start to make up their own rules in yeah. sports. Yeah. Like, no, no you got to follow this format. This is the way we hold our tour- tournaments. And
0: we also want to crown the very first ever Spades and Dominoes National Champions. Nice, nice. I recently saw uh, Cornhole, which is totally different, but I saw them on ESPN, too. And oh, yeah. I-, I didn't ever think uh, that that would be on there. But, shoot, that's that's a fun game, too. So I think if they can do it, you can do it, too, man. Um,
2: oh, yeah. You know, we're trying to push to get this thing up and blown. But it's hard work, but that's
0: the one thing you and I both know we're used to: is, is grinding it, putting our feet to the ground, and starting to keep pushing it forward. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, cool, man. Well, hey, we're we about to get ready to uh, close this down. We're about fifty-five minutes into this. Um, just got a quick question for you. This is nothing totally related to uh, what we were talking about earlier. Which I do thank you, man, because there's a lot of good nuggets out there for other people to listen to and and kind of, uh, you know, uh, dec- determine if they want to apply that to their lives or not, you know, and if they do, I- I'm sure they'll be successful with it um, or, or see some results, you know, coming from that. And if they don't, you know, hey, to each their own, you know. So, uh, uh, you, you, you know, you're talking to a, a very uh, educated gentleman here. Uh, like you say, he's from the South. You, you've seen, you heard what his uh, background is in, uh, you know, broken home, uh, no parents, you know, had some tough choices to make. Um and, and, and he's still sitting here, you know, thinking about doing things for for the for the better of, you know, not only himself but, you know, others as well. So at, uh, that uh that tournament thing sounds interesting and, and and I I don't play, but I'd like to be a, a part or a go visit or something, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> give me give me a steak dinner.
2: Well.
0: Happy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so just one last question, uh this is just something just off the wall, like I said. Uh, if, if you were stranded on a tropical island, what are two things that you would want with you? Oh man, that's easy. Duct tape and a knife. I mean, <laughs> a really sharp knife. And duct tape is like the most versatile crap that you can make. And you can make shoes out of it. You can use it to build tents. Of course, too easy. So I one-on-one, duct tape and a knife. I have much duct tape though.
2: All I need is a good little big spool of it, and I can make a pair of shoes. That's done. You,
0: know, you gotta have some comfortable shoes, and then after that, I can build everything else on my own. Yeah, like like a big old spool of five fifty cord with the side. Yeah. takes off, and then it's all knotted up. All oh, you need is a tree bark. Yeah. Tree bark makes make you some rope. Okay, what well, uh, what island will you be at? Were you be in the Pacific, the the East Coast, West Coast?
2: I don't
0: even know. Whichever one is not cold. <laughs> cold. Yeah. And I'm probably horrible yeah. with, with geographic, yeah. too. So I probably said that all jacked up, but that's all right. Okay, cool. Hey, so again, thank you for coming on, man. You got any shout outs or or, or how can you be reached or anything like that? Because I'm sure you're going to get some questions about that space and dominoes. So.
2: Yeah, man, you know, I want to send a shout out to all my family's friends to include yourself. I appreciate you allowing me to come on and talk about myself and talk about our experiences together. If you want to take a look at anything, go to www.sanddtc.com. That's the website. And, you know, it's it's a beginning website. We don't have very much on it, but it'll give you a general idea of what we're trying to do.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. Yeah, check that out. And, And yeah, hey um shout out to uh to yourself uh uh tara and the kids uh tell them i said hi uh miss oh, yeah. y'all yeah miss y'all um uh, different from uh not having a neighbor to go to no more so i had to make some the neighbors no i don't have no neighbors <laughs> <laughs> um yeah definitely yeah I, I bet the boys are getting big too aren't they
2: yeah they need jobs
0: yeah need jobs. <laughs> hey put them part of your 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 uh your little business right there. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Welcome to be <your> a security guard. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, just a quick shout outs for myself, uh, Coach Civil podcast. Uh, just uh, uh, his podcast got some good life lessons. Kind of something uh, similar to what we had today um, on the Gunline. Uh, great, great podcast. I was listening to his. I didn't get to finish it this uh, from yesterday or from uh, Friday or Saturday. One or two. Um, I didn't get to listen to it, but that midweek memo last week, that was interesting. It was very funny. Um, I, I, I Shout out to Lee Hunt. Uh, I definitely see some growth in you, man, over the past couple weeks, and, and I'd like to get you on over here at Under the Net. Uh, I'll reach out to you, you know, offline. We'll we see if we can make that happen. Um, and if you want to reach me, you can reach me at, at Pat 13 uh, on ID, Facebook, at, uh, Patrick Warris, and Gmail, under the net at gmail.com. If you've got some questions or uh, if you would like to be a guest on the show, um, Hey, you know, you know how it is in 13 Bravo when you got, uh, when you're under the net, um, you know how it is. So, Hey, thanks yeah. for being, uh, under the net, Jess. Um, and time for you to leave the net though, brother. Take it easy, man. I appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. Same here.